0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So Silence, if you weren't here last week, uh, Michael, he began a series, kicked off a series that we're doing this summer called The Way. And uh, This series, The Way, is about a way to live uh, that might raise your awareness of the love that God has for you. Uh, when I've previously maybe preached sermons on disciplines or practices or ways to live your life, I think I, I felt like at the end of it, what I was really doing was just laying heavy burdens on people. You need to do these things, do more, just more law, more rules, more things to do. Uh, But what I want to just start out by saying is God loves you (laughs) as much now as he ever has. And what these practices can do is raise your awareness of that love. There's ways that we live our life that can distract us from that love, and then there's ways that we can live our life that will actually reveal more and more of it, that will allow us to be more and more in touch with the love that God has for us. Uh, So that's what... That's what I want to just start with. Michael talked about uh, this threefold way of, of living, um, purgation, union, illumination, not in that order, but um, that this threefold way of living life in the kingdom of God, it's, it's a way to live, not a system of beliefs. You remember that? And I think uh, as we were even praying up here this morning, Jeremy uh, just even reminded me of that. Um, and that that was a revolutionary thought for me, and maybe not for you, but for me that was a revolutionary thought. How many of you grew up in the church? Okay, at least half of you. Uh, I made my life about believing all the right things about God. That was what was kind of taught to me that was really important, that that you just have your beliefs in, in order, right? And that's kind of what separated us from other churches well they believe that you can sprinkle your child with water and that counts as baptism and we believe that you have to fully immerse you know a consenting adult and that's baptism and so we would be separated out by our beliefs right and what I found is that Jesus himself says look if anybody hears these words that I have and doesn't put them into practice as a way of living that's like a person who builds their house on the sand And the waves will come, and the the streams will rise, and the winds will blow and beat against that house, and it'll fall with a great crash because its foundation was on the sand because they didn't live out the things that they were hearing. Okay? And maybe you saw this with, like for me, I saw this with friends who grew up in the church, and they had their beliefs all set, and then they like went away to college, and they saw this other way of living, different ways of living that were actually a little more attractive, Right? a little more fun, a little more interesting. And so their system of beliefs crumbled. They went back to their system of beliefs, but it didn't. even their system of beliefs didn't really line up with the way that they were living. It wasn't a way that they were living. It was just, oh, that's just the stuff that I believe. I was told that as a child, I believe these things. I grew up being told, believe this, believe this. But I wasn't really brought into this way of living and loving and knowing in the world. So today we're talking about silence. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these habits. And like I said, I want to reiterate what Michael said last week. These habits, doing these things, doesn't make you more spiritual, okay? We all agree on that? Being quiet doesn't make you more spiritual, (laughs) all right? You are as spiritual as you have ever been and you ever will be right now, where you are. Okay, What these practices, what these habits, what these disciplines will do is raise your awareness of God's love for you. So in a letter written to the church in Rome, uh, it says that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love that's in Christ Jesus. No height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Nothing. But there are things that we can do to distract ourselves from that love, are there not? There are some things that we can do to decrease our awareness of that love. There are some things that we can do to raise our awareness of that love as well. So I want to talk about silence and why it's such a problem for us. Would you agree? It's a problem. Then I want to talk about Jesus and his routines of silence And then I want to talk about why silence is important for us as a way to live. So, what is silence? I have a slide. I don't know if it's going to... There it is. And I'm going to read it to you. Silence is the absence of intentional sound. Intentional sounds are the things we turn on, such as TVs, iPods, words spoken like me right now, or heard in a conversation. Music such as humming or tapping, if you have a husband that loves to... Probably. Uh, And then the noise of tools, keyboards or other objects, sounds that remain are unavoidable, unfortunately, sometimes in crowded places. So silence is purposeful quiet. Uh, About 20 years ago, and Jer, Jer, are you here? There you are. Jeremy Clements and I took a trip. We drove together, just the two of us in his green Ford uh, Ranger. You remember that truck, Jer? (laughs) And uh, we were just, as our after our freshman year of college, and our youth pastor, Eric Lucy, was visiting with his youth group to California, and he'd taken all his kids up to, like, Humboldt, uh, way up in Northern California. Anybody been to Humboldt, that area? Beautiful area. Uh, so he took us to this place called Fern Canyon. It's in and around Oreck, and it's this beautiful place where uh, the, the redwoods go all the way up to the coast, and they're on this bluff, and there's this deep crack in the bluff, and ferns have grown all the way up the crack. It's like tropical, but you're in Northern California. It's really strange, but it's gorgeous. And so he takes us. Uh, he takes his youth group there, and we said, let's go up there and meet them and just hang out. So we do this. We drive up there, spend some time with them, with Eric, our old youth pastor, and Eric says, hey, if you're going to be here, you've got to enter into what we're doing, and today we're doing four hours of silence. <sighs> that was that was brutal. Like, I still remember four hours. I mean, you're going to be here for an hour or 45 minutes or something like that, and there's going to be some silence. But imagine, like, four hours of silence. Uh, He said, here are the rules. You can't say anything to anybody. You can't talk to anyone. And you can't be within 50 feet of another person. (laughs) And I just remember, like, you know, the first... You can walk, people took naps, all kinds of stuff happened on these four hours, but I just remember like, okay, the, okay it's only been like 45 minutes, <laughs> this is like so brutal, you know, and, and I remember seeing, I, I don't even, I think at some point, Jared and I were like across a creek from each other, and it was like just all that we could do, not to talk to each other, and not, uh, you know, sneak around, and like, hey, let's have a conversation, it was just, and this is, it, it's incredibly beautiful, but if I was there now, I'd have, you know, this. Right? I'd take my four hours and then I'd have this. and this would likely give me access to a number of different games, like "Candy Crush" or Angry Birds," or whatever it is that you love to play on here. And that would, that would occupy quite a bit of time, because let's be honest, it does already in our lives. And so I could just you know play games for however long, uh, go on Facebook, uh, you know, write, my, update my status, board, or snapchat all my friends of like a picture of me like going four hours, dude, you know, whatever it is, not fully alone. Uh, so I just, I was thinking about that, man, I, I get bored, and when, when the time was over, I was like relieved, I was like, oh, like I could talk to people again, how did he ever expect me to go for four hours without speaking, you know, and, and there were times where I read some scripture, and I prayed, and I processed a lot of things, but on the whole, I was bored, impatient, distracted, and afraid to just sit there in the silence. Now, a study of uh, 500 undergraduate students that was done over six years shows that constant accessibility and exposure to background media has created a mass of people who fear silence. Okay, just think of how often your TV is on in the background. Think about the radio, iPods, MP3 players, iPads, Pandora, Spotify, Google Music. Just, it's on. Maybe you have more than one TV in your house. Maybe they're on at the same time sometimes. Anyone here need a TV on just to fall asleep? There's there's just this sense that, Anybody, anybody with me on this? You grew up and the, just the TV was on. Nobody was in that, that room, but it was just on. Anybody there? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're bored? Boredom's an interesting thing, right? Uh, or perhaps you spent some time, you, you decided, you know what? Today's quiet time day. I'm going to spend some time in the Word. Really going to get into it. Spend some time in prayer. You're focused and you you sit down and it's like painful. (laughs) You're like so distracted, everything comes flooding in, you're like, Oh, I gotta go to the grocery store. Oh, I gotta you know, man, I really should redo the bathroom. All these things like start coming into your head of, oh, I gotta clean. Once I clean, then my my head will be clean and then I can sit down and really focus. That was like for me every paper I had to write. Like when you have to sit down at the computer and you have to write a paper, it's like it's like going into quiet time. uh, my room's messy, you know, (laughs) just like leave it there. You immediately feel tired, distracted, and unfocused. I used to take college kids on houseboat trips. We'd take like 50 or 60 college students up to Lake Shasta. We'd put them on boats. And every morning after breakfast for 45 minutes, I, I said, you have to spend time in silence. 45 minutes. Now in that time, here are your options. You can go to sleep, which a lot of them did. <laughs> you can listen to music on your, in your headphones, but it can't, I can't be able to hear it. You can read. You can just sit there. You can, <laughs> basically, I don't want you playing music out loud so people can hear it, and I don't want you talking at all to anybody. And it was so hard. I, I was like Mr. Police Guy, like, walking around the boats, like, Shh. Turn your headphones off. Just, It was so hard for them. 45 minutes. Now, granted, they woke up at 6, and they're going to go to bed at around 12 or 1. And they're going to be up and alive that whole time, just, woo, you know, on the, on the boats with all their friends, going water skiing and wakeboarding and tubing and doing all kinds of fun stuff. But that 45 minutes of silence, I swear, it's like, it might as well be like a knockout drug. <laughs> you know, like, 45 minutes of silence out. I'm out. Which is another indication of maybe we're not sleeping enough. Um, so anyway, I was so interested by, by that, um, I would think, man, this really says something about us. And I, I'm afraid it, it, it's not super encouraging. <laughs> uh, a philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal in his book, Pensace, he wrote, all of humanity's problems... Just think about it. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And we'll say all women's problems, too. She's not going to put it all on me. All of humanity's problems. From man's, human, humankind's inability to sit quietly in it. Just let that sink in. When was the last time you just sat in your room quietly? Alone. There's hope for you and there's hope for me. <laughs> silence can be extremely frightening. I think my tendency to talk with friends during times of silence, whether it be in person or through Facebook or texting or whatever, is just my reaction to like deep underlying fear. And we'll get to that fear. Uh, but I want to see what God has to say on this topic of silence. So what can we learn from Jesus? And I want to just give you a few scriptures that illustrate the importance of silence. The first comes from Matthew. It says this in Matthew fourteen twenty three. After he sent the crowds away, he went up onto the mountain to pray. And in, when it was evening, he was there alone. So Jesus spent time with the Father in prayer alone. He went to quiet places. And back in that time, it was probably it probably wasn't that difficult to find quiet places. <laughs> uh, there's no cars. There's no airplanes. There's no factories. It's just like animals, birds, and wind. That's like it going on back then so uh this next one luke four forty two. when when day came jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him <laughs> and came to him and tried to keep him from going away so jesus goes to a secluded place then and then mark one thirty five. jesus and his friends are staying with peter at his house and this is what it reads in the early morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there Now, I've been to this little town in Israel where they think Peter lived, and there's no streetlights. There's no late-night construction going on. There's no hum of refrigerators. No cars arriving home late. No fog horns blowing on the Sea of Galilee. All you might hear is like a gentle wind blowing through the grass and some crickets and frogs. But apart from that, it would be extremely silent, right? When you wanted to see the stars, you just go outside. (laughs) You know, there's no light preventing you from seeing all the stars. You know when you get up into nature, and you're like, "Oh, it's amazing." You know, we went to Yosemite and we were like camped on top of Upper Yosemite Falls and all it was just all we could just see so many stars because there's no light intruding, right? That was every night. You just walked outside. <laughs> there it is, the whole Milky Way. Imagine seeing that every night. So it's a, it's a little unfair, really. Uh, that all the no- think of all the noises Jesus never had to deal with. He never had to endure because these things simply did not exist. Just think, no cell phones, no cars, no planes, no helicopters, no motors of any kind, TVs, iPads, iPods, iMacs, there were no speakers, no trains, no Harleys, no Toyotas, no Justin Bieber, no Taylor Swift, no Disneyland, no Frozen songs. Thank you, Jesus. No microwaves, no mixtapes, no matinees, no gunshots, no grenades. Life was much more quiet. No fans. And Jesus was going to secluded places. (laughs) The whole thing sounds like a silent retreat to me. It all sounds secluded. The whole world of his day would feel secluded to us now. Without all this stuff, wouldn't you feel like, if I was telling you, hey, we're going to go to this place, there's none of that stuff I just named. Like, does that place even exist? Like, where is that place? No. But in the midst of Jesus' day, he's going to secluded places to pray. Luke 5.16, it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray whole thing sounds like the wilderness to me. That was his habit. He would often do this. He had a habit of going to places where it was silent. No people, just him and the Father. And you can see that most of the time, silence will go hand in hand with solitude. It's not always the case, but it certainly gives you a better shot at it. (laughs) If you get away from other people, you have a better shot at finding some quiet. One of my favorite uh, writers of devotional literature is a guy named Henry Nowen. And he writes, silence is the way to make solitude a reality. We can get away from everyone and everything, but not really get away if we're still on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or texting or watching a show or reading emails or whatever it is. Silence is letting go of all the noise. We talk about colors even being loud, right? Well, it's just too loud. It's like a fluorescent orange or something, right? Colors being too... We talk about pictures being noisy, right? If you're a photo editor, there's even, in in Photoshop, you can increase the noise in your photo. That photo screams at me. I'll say something like that. Silence is escaping all these things and it is frightening. We have a lot of noise in our lives, do we not? You have noise in your life? I was reading an article, too much noise is bad for your health. Uh, The author says, the ears do not sleep like watchmen or watchwomen. They are on high alert, 24-7, eavesdropping on surroundings, searching for any sound signaling danger. One of their tormentors is noise, which can panic the body like stress. And it goes on to say, uh, the Secretary of International Commission of the Biological Effects of Noise. How would that, you'd like to be that, that's your job title. I'm the secretary of the International Commission of the Biological Effects of Noise. Oh, I'll just be quiet, man. Uh, he says, noise can function as an unspecific stressor on the body. Prolonged periods of unwanted noise can cause the body to release stress hormones like adrenaline and can negatively affect blood hormones like cholesterol. So if you have high cholesterol, maybe you should need to live somewhere more quiet. <laughs> or turn down the music. And then finally I, I, that in the long run may lead to hypertension and cardiovascular disease. He says epidemiological studies suggest that the risk for cardiovascular disease rises 5 to 15% every 10 decibel increase. Sorry, I'm killing you. Seriously. That's just science. <laughs> Noise is hurting our lives. It's how we live our lives, and it's hurting us in so many ways. Uh, I've got a little video from the family guy here. It just illustrates what we are like and what we deal with. So... <laughs> oh, it's just—it hits so close to home, doesn't it? Anybody? <laughs> mummy, mummy, we're just like Stewie in so many ways. Really, we're just like the little the little baby Stewie. If you don't know, we're just listening to ourselves talk, wanting to get attention, and we're just like Lois, the mom in bed. <laughs> Louis, Louis, we can only take so much noise till we like lose it, right? And if you're a parent and I am, you can only take so much, (laughs) you know. And then it's like I'm out, you know. And you, hopefully, both one of the two parents is still sane at that point, right? Like, that's your child. I'm gone, you know. A brilliant professor, uh, Dallas Willard, who recently passed away he wrote this and and some of this is my paraphrasing silence reminds us of death just stop right there silence reminds us of death which will cut us off from this world and leave only us and god and in that quiet what if there turns out to be very little to just us and god Think what it says about the inward emptiness of our lives. If we must always be on the phone, texting, on Facebook, on Pinterest, playing a game, listening to music, watching a movie, YouTube, a Netflix binge, just to make sure something is happening around us. The inward emptiness of our lives out. That's the part that hurt me the most. Does that strike a chord with you? Are you so afraid that if you're silent, you'll get bored because inside you're empty? There's just not much going on between you and God. You don't really know him or what to say to him. It's easier to distract yourself. I'm a cul- full on culprit of this. If I had to preach messages of things that I'd only mastered, you'd never hear messages on mercy, forgiveness, grace, or anything like that. So I am a culprit of this too. I get in my car and it's like I could go silent or I could put on something else to listen to, right? Or I, I mean, you're standing in line at Starbucks, I could just stand there. That's embarrassing. I'm important. There's all sorts of ways in which we are afraid to just be, period, to just be. Our pattern is to talk, 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 to interrupt, to intrude on the silence with words and actions, and Dallas would say it generally <laughs> leads to violence. And here's what I mean by that. The other day, I had spent the morning with my two little girls, Sophie and Paige, two and a half and four and a half. And uh, I'd planned to work in the afternoon, and Anna came home, comes in the door just before lunch, and, and she had the mail, and she says, hey, did you see this letter from our broker saying that our, ins- our, our homeowner's insurance had lapsed? I was like, what? No, I have not. So- what? Like, we're in the middle of a homeowner's insurance deal where we had a slab leak. So we're working with our homeowner's insurance. And now I'm finding out you're no longer covered. And I'm freaking out. What? I I just start. I, I could not like process. What do you mean it lapsed? I launched into like a stream of words that were like hostile and angry and frustrated and panicked. And in the end, it was fine. Like, It says, oh, it says here we have 29 days to pay the premium from when it lapsed, and then we'll be fine. And I was like, could you have led with that? You know? (laughs) Hey, it's fine. We just need to pay our premium, blah, blah, blah. So I paid the premium. We're all set for another year. Now, what if instead of doing what I normally do when things frighten me and upset me and frustrate me and confuse me and anger me, and I'm ready to launch into words, if I just paused for 10 seconds... That's interesting, sweetie. In that 10 seconds, I bet Anna could have said, Oh, but it says here, <laughs> we have 29 days to pay it. I didn't allow for that. I just immediately snatched it out of her hand and started freaking out and running around the house. <laughs> 10 seconds, we're so quick to rush in with words, with action, and generally, at least to violence. We interrupt, we we intrude, we act. It's what we're trained to do. We don't pause. We don't reflect. We don't process. We are a culture of reaction. We hear something that triggers something, and we just spit out garbage immediately for the most part. I can't believe this. A friend of mine said, next time, just go like this. And he just covered his mouth with his finger. You're standing at the threshold of the kitchen and you're about to walk in and say the thing that you always say. Just stop right there at the threshold and just cover your mouth. It's like you're just buttoning your own lip. You button that lip, right? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say the same thing that you always say. You're going to blow up in the way, you're going to react the same way you always do you could just blow your spouse or your brother or your sister or your parents away by just oh huh. so your wife comes says comes home and says I got a great deal on all this stuff at Target <laughs> right before you say anything you cover your mouth you pause and then you speak that's interesting sweetie could you show me what you bought i'm so curious <laughs> You have an opportunity to change your life, to change your marriage maybe. Take it all back. Just stop. Don't rush to act, to talk, to speak all the time. We're reacting most of the time. What if you were purposeful in your words the thing that allows for that is silence. Uh, why is this important to us? Because if we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to become like Christ in this way, we're going to do, uh, we're have to work a little bit harder to get away and be silent. There's just less sheer silence available to us than there was to Jesus. All the luxuries and conveniences of our day Make noise, physical noise, metaphorical noise, but noise. So we have to endure the earthquakes of our phones, the fires of our televisions, the winds of our cars in order to find God in the sheer silence. There's a passage where Elijah goes to find, God says, hey, I'm gonna, he, Elijah's about to give up. He's a, he's a prophet. He's about, I'm over this. God says, hey, I'm going to come reveal myself. And Elijah finds God in the sheer silence. And if we do, if we work at this, we may just hear the voice of God say to us, What are you doing here? <laughs> and that question will lead you on a great adventure. What are you doing here? So now, we're going to close with a little video about noise. This video is going to force you to be silent for a bit. So I want you to engage. We're in a theater. We come to theaters to watch movies, generally, not listen to sermons. There will be about six minutes of complete silence. I might even turn off the fan. Complete silence, okay? Six minutes, maybe seven, and you're going to hear people's stomachs growl, right? Right? and coughing, and sniffling, and wrestling, and hopefully that's it. <laughs> but really try to engage the content. And then Tyler's going to lead us in a few songs and some more silence. We're not just like, we didn't just come here like, oh, we didn't really prepare anything. We're just all just going to be quiet. No, this is like, we're intentional about being quiet. Because the rest of your day when you leave this place is most likely going to be quiet. Noisy. So let's bring down the lights and let's turn our attention to the screen and do our very best to be silent.